man. Like, like how many are sick of coronavirus and, and uh, all these things and wearing a mask everywhere you go and you got the mask on? And there's a lot of challenges. My, my daughter, she's first year university and instead of being in class, with, she's studying at home because they're not in class and she's just every day saying, oh dad, I wish I was in university. And my son Caleb in his class, it's changed this year in high school and, and they do one class at a time where we live in Barrie and so he's got math all week long every day and he's like, dad, that's a lot of math. And there, there's obstacles this year, there's some challenges, but here's what I believe. Every time there's obstacles, it's God setting us up for great opportunity. I believe it's, it's God positioning us to say, okay, don't look at the problem, but look at what I can do in the midst of the problem. Don't look at the challenge, but instead look at what I can do in the midst of that challenge, the miracles that I want to do. And I believe that God has great things in store for us as a church, that God has great things in store for us as believers if we'll just get a hold of that. Albert Einstein used to say, where you see difficulty, I see opportunity. I used to have a thing with my church staff when I was pastoring in the local church, and I, I used to tell our pastors that they weren't allowed to use the word problem. That was it. We had to strike that from our vocabulary. We couldn't use the word problem. We could only use the word opportunity. And it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to, to, to let the Holy Spirit work. It's an opportunity to see God do incredible things. This morning, I want to bring to you a word um, in, uh, just as we do from 2 Kings chapter 6. And I want to look at this word this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And if you don't have a Bible, if you don't have one by next week, it said Pastor Eddie's going to buy you one. So uh, uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, it's telling this story about the nation of Israel when they're in some challenge. So there's this neighboring nation, Aram, and at every moment he can, he's trying to harm them. At every moment he can, he's trying to hurt them. And there's this prophet by the name of Elisha. Elisha was just a regular, everyday guy. He was a farmer, and God uh, touched him, and he responded to God's call over his life. He had no formal Bible college training. He had no formal education, but he just said yes to God calling him. And Elisha was there living out his, the best that he could and saying, okay, God, I'm going to wait for you to do incredible things. God, I'm going I'm to wait for you to do the miraculous. There was this guy by the name of Naaman from the neighboring nation that was trying to hurt them. And Naaman came and, and he had leprosy and, and Elisha didn't turn him away because he was from the, the Aram country. Instead, he just sought the Lord and God miraculously healed this guy. He miraculously did a work beyond what you could ask, imagine, a dream. And, and they would have thought that would heal the, the rift between the nations, but no. They still kept coming after. They still kept coming after him. And we read, in, starting in, in verse 8, it says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I'll set up camp at such and such a place. And the man of God sent the word to the king of Israel, Beware uh, of this passing place, because the Armenians are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on a guard in such places. So in other words, every time the king was trying to besiege the people of Israel, God would speak to Elisha's heart and tell him, okay, Elisha, 
the king of Aram's going to attack. You need to warn them. And so he would speak to them about how the Holy Spirit had spoke to him. And, and all of a sudden, they, they couldn't figure this out. They thought that someone was, was a mole within their own. They, they couldn't figure out what, what was happening. It said, verse 11, it enraged the king. And he summoned his officers and demanded them, tell me, who is on the side of the king of Israel? Verse 12 says, none of us, my lord, the king said one of the officers, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. You know what? I believe our God's a God that just deposits secret truth in our heart. That he'll speak to you things that will give you wisdom beyond any of the people around you. He'll give you things in the secret place that will remind you and speak about what comes next. Verse 13, so go find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men to capture him and report back. He is in Dothan. Dothan's an interesting place. Dothan's the same place, if you remember the story, uh, of his, him and his brothers as they were, they were going in and Joseph was there, thrown into a pit, left for dead. This was the same place of Dothan. This was the same place that what seemed like a horrible obstacle actually was an opportunity that God put in Joseph's path. For Joseph, his brothers thought he was cast off. Joseph probably thought he was, but God used that place of Dotham as a place of turning things around and beginning the process in, in, in Joseph's life. So we go on. It says they sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went there by night and surrounded the city. Imagine this. He's an older man by the time. Can you imagine if the United States decided and sent, you know, Pastor Eddie Jumba? He is a man of faith, a man to be reckoned with. And so they decided that the United States would send their entire forces to Pastor Eddie's house and surround it with all the tanks and with all the guns and everything. And they would surround his house. This is what was taking place. Imagine the, the scenario for a second. In the morning, it said that. Elisha's, uh, Elisha's disciple, his servant, uh, woke up the next morning and when he saw all the horses and chariots surrounding the city, he was freaked out. Like, what is going on? Could you imagine opening the window and seeing a nation ready to kill you? Like, this is intense. This is crazy moment here. And this is what the prophet did. He said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Isn't that a great word? Those who are with you are with this. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills filled with horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. What an amazing moment. Notice Elisha didn't pray, God, take away the enemy. Notice Elisha didn't pray, God, smite them all down, get rid of my problem. The Lord, he, he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, open my eyes that I can see differently. I wonder how many times when we're in trouble do we pray, God, help me to see this differently. God, help me to see as you see in a different way. We often say, God, just make it all go away. Make it easy for me. And sometimes we miss out on the opportunities that God would have. God would say, hey, open my eyes. And so as the enemy came towards him, Elisha prayed a second time, strike down the army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness. And Elisha asked, as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them, this is not the road, the city, 
follow me and I will lead you to the, where you're looking. And he led them to Samaria. Now, at this moment in time in, in history, Samaria was kind of the, the capital for, for the people of Israel. It was a weird moment in time. But, but so they went to Samaria. Now, imagine this, this hike. This is a, a hike of some 10 to 12 miles. It's about three hours if you're walking at a brisk rate. Imagine these guys who were set to capture this person. Can you imagine the conversation over those three hours on the road? They've been struck with blindness. They don't know how or why. They don't know where they're going. And I'm, I wonder if they're talking about what God's up to in this whole moment. I wonder if they think they're in for it. They're going to get it at the end. When they led them into Samaria, the king of Israel saw them and he asked Elisha, shall I kill them? Like, this is our moment to get rid of our, our enemy. And Elisha did something really strange here. He said, do not kill them. He said, would you kill those who are captured by your own bow or sword? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. What? These are the people that have been trying to kill you for years. These are the people that have just, it doesn't matter, Elisha, every time you were nice to them, they still keep trying to do mean things. Elisha, you remember you tried to, you healed Naaman and they still are coming after you. You want me to give them food and a feast? They just tried to kill you. What are you doing, Elisha? But the king did what Elisha had asked, and it said that they didn't just give a feast. It said they gave a great feast. How many love great feasts? You can see I love great feasts. You know what I mean? My body would say I, I'm a guy that likes feasts. And it said that they prepared for the enemies a great feast for them. But listen to this. And after they did that, it says, so the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory forever. That God used this moment to change the trajectory of a nation. The thing that looked like such an obstacle, they were surrounded by the enemy, but yet God used that moment to change things in their lives. 2 Kings 6.16 in there, it says, don't be afraid. Those who are with you are more than those who are with them. That those who are with you are more than those who are with them. Open my eyes, Lord, that, that, that he may see. God, that's my prayer over these people today and the prayer over me. Lord, open my eyes that I'll see what your spirit wants to do through Dominion Church. God, open my eyes that, that I'd see what your spirit wants to do in my workplace, in my family, in my school situation. God, open my eyes that I may see couple more verses for you today. It says, open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things of your word, Psalm 119. Lord, help me to see the wondrous things. God, so many times the enemy veils us and, and, and tries to, to lie to us that God is not a good God, that God doesn't have your best, but God is a good God. The God we serve wants the best for your life. Lord, open my eyes that I may begin to see the truth of that. 1 John 4, 4 says, you dear children are from God. And have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than in this world. Whatever your obstacle, whatever you're facing, however big the challenge in your life, I want you to know that God is bigger than that. That nothing is too difficult for our God. Psalm 34. Listen to this. It says that the Lord encamps around those who fear him. I like that idea. That God actually sets a guard around you. That, that when you fear the Lord, when you trust in our God, it says that God surrounds you just like Elisha was surrounded. They didn't understand it. They didn't see it in the natural. But when God opened their eyes to see 
these, this wall of angels and the forces of, of these chariots. And it, it, all of a sudden, it's like, wow. And it says, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God has great things. Blessed are those who trust in him, take refuge in our God. So I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to have an opportunity mindset versus an obstacle mindset. How can we turn this year of, uh, of 2020, this year of obstacle, into an opportunity year? How can we see opportunity over this house? See, I believe when you're feeling alone and in the dark, that's when we know God's power burns the brightest. When you're feeling like, oh, I, I don't know, that's when God just begins to shine and, and it comes through in our lives. I want to give you four things uh, quickly this morning if we're going to turn our obstacle into our opportunity. Number one is I believe we've got to stick together in this. You know what didn't happen here? Elisha's attendant, his servant, his disciple, whatever you want to call, he could have at that moment said, Elisha, what's the deal? You brought me into this situation. Elisha, you're responsible. Elisha, I, I didn't ask for this army to be attacking. Elisha, where have you led me? You know what I often find when people get into obstacles and trouble? Their first thing is to blame leaders. Their first thing is to just look at the leadership and say, why did you bring me here? When it might just be the Holy Spirit wanted you there for that moment. Elisha's servant didn't do that. Notice Elisha didn't take off on it and say, oh, I'm the man of God. You know, servant, you stay here. Deal with this. I'm out of here. I believe this, that the enemy wants nothing more than when, when obstacles first come to bring division. That the enemy wants to sow in and challenges and division and, and, and pit us against one another. Psalm 133 says this, that, that God actually commands his blessing when they're unity. It, it, in the Hebrew, that word for commands in Psalm 133 is, is the intensive. In other words, it's the most intense way that the Hebrew can say a verb. That God actually, like, with all his forces, commands blessing on you when you walk in unity. Isn't that powerful? So when you're faced with obstacles, when you're faced with, with moments when it, when it can go either way, I want to encourage you to stick together this year. When they tell us to have to social distance, and I, I'm not saying defy that, do that. But at the same time, walk in unity and be together in unity of spirit. Be praying for one another. Be, be blessing one another. Be walking with one another. Don't turn on one another when things get difficult. Have you ever walked through a, a, a real, like, dark place before? Like, physically even? I used to, like, live in northern Ontario, and there's not a lot of light pollution. And so when it's dark, it's dark. And I remember one day my, my car broke down, and I was on the side of the road, and it was one of those nights that was cloudy, and so there wasn't a lot of stars, and it was a, a new moon, so there wasn't a lot of light from the moon. It was just, it was dark. Like, you know, you put your hand in front of your face, it was dark. And so I had to walk. And let me tell you, I was walking for a few kilometers, and, and it was in the, like, this is northern Ontario, there's a lot of wildlife, and I can hear noises in the forest, and you're like, is that a bear? Is that a wolf? You know what I mean? And, you start, and every little thing was like, uh, 
uh, you know what I mean? It just made you nervous. And then there was a guy stopped on the side of the road, and, and he, he was like, I'll walk with you. It was amazing the difference when you have somebody with you that things aren't nearly as scary. The sounds and the darkness, all of this. When you stick together, I want to encourage you, when they're confronted with challenges, stick together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for the toil. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no one to lift him up. I want to encourage the church, stick together through obstacles. Stick together when you face things. These are the moments God wants to show up. Stick together. Number two is seek a fresh perspective. Elisha prayed, God, open the eyes of my servant to the spiritual realities, to the things that are around. The setback in your life just may be the thing you're needing to see a win. A good quick prayer here is when this happens, God, is there something I'm not seeing in this obstacle? God, is there something I'm not seeing in this difficulty? God, open my eyes to spiritual realities. Is there a spiritual warfare battle happening here that, that I'm maybe not aware of, God? God, help me to see where your strength is leading me. The French novelist wrote, uh, Marcel Pruitt wrote this. He said, the real act of discovery consists not of new lands, but instead of seeing with new eyes. It's not about discovering all new things, but it's actually saying, open your eyes to see in a new kind of way. Is there a fresh perspective this year God wants to bring? I want to tell you a story about one of our church plants. It's, uh, it's my friend, uh, his name's Pastor Puspa. And he's a Nepali refugee. They've been through a lot of journey. And so he lived uh, from Bhutan into Nepal and came as a refugee to Canada in a re really, really challenging life. And they just got their church started last year and they were so excited about what God was doing. It was beginning to grow and God was doing all these amazing things and then coronavirus hit. And he was like, Pastor, all of my people, he said, literally every single one of the people in my church is out of work right now. And he said, they have no, they don't have any money and, and they're very poor people. And, and he's like, what are we going to do, Pastor? I don't know what to do. We, I, I, I don't know how to minister to them. And so we were praying together and I said, God's going to give you an opportunity in the midst of this time. And, and it's hard for everyone. And we were just praying together and he called me and he said, Pastor Jay, he said, you'll never guess. He said, God just opened my eyes to something this week. He said, I've been praying for a while about all these, these people in our church uh, becoming discipled so that we could plant some more churches. And he said, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me that I'm just to start a Bible college during COVID. I said, okay, what do you need? And so we helped him get some things together. And he started this Zoom online Bible college. And so it was online with Zoom, right? How cool is that? And so all of a sudden, it, the word spread, and it was with his local community, and there was a few sign up. And then the word spread across Canada to, to Nepali-speaking people. And then the world, word spread around the world. And all of a sudden, he had 180 people signed up for his Bible college. And he had people volunteer to teach from around the world from Bible colleges. And before you know it, for six hours a day through COVID, they ran this Bible college, and 180 trained pastors now are ready to go. And they're ready to plant a whole bunch of churches. How cool is that? 
from a moment that could have been an obstacle which sunk them to looking and saying, God, open my eyes to see in a new kind of way. God, help me to see the perspective. Second Chronicles 20.12 says this, we don't know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. That's my prayer all the time. God, if you don't know what to do, just put your eyes on the Lord. Seek fresh perspective. Stick together. And then third this morning, have a supernatural expectation. Expect miracles in your life. I love that little girl this morning. And what did she get out of Sunday school last week? Miracles can happen anywhere. That is the, that's the prophecy over your life. Get a hold of that, folks. Miracles can happen anywhere. Begin to live like we expect it. I believe in the, in the North American church where we sometimes like think of miracles as like the super exception to the rule rather than how we need to live our life all the time. What if you began to live your life and just depended on God to come through? Here's the thing about miracles. Miracles usually only happen when you need one. And the thing about it is we don't like to get in a position where we need a miracle. We all want a miracle, but we don't have to want to get to the spot where we need a miracle. And I, I, I believe that if we began to live and trust God in a greater way, that we would begin to live with a supernatural expectation and say, God, open my eyes, God, get a hold of me so that I would live with a supernatural expectation over my life. This is an amazing moment in their journey. As the army begins to approach, Elisha's not freaked out. He just expects, he just prays, God, shut their eyes. I love this kind of, irony here of they opened his eyes but then closed their eyes and and I believe that that's what the Lord does he confuses the enemy when we seek him and he opens our eyes to the reality and and so if we begin to trust him with a little bit of supernatural expectation over our lives I want to tell you as my role as I get to serve the churches this is where I live most of the time is, is okay God we need a miracle this church needs a miracle. They, they, they don't have enough or whatever. I remember it was, it was actually, I was looking at my calendar and it was last year on this Sunday. I was in a church in northern Ontario and we were praying and they said, Pastor, they, they, it was a community that depends a lot on the natural resources. And so there was a, a lumber mill in the community and it had closed. And therefore with it, a lot of the economy of the community had gone under. And, and so they were financially in distress and we'd, we'd prayed, and, and so I was there on a Sunday, and we just said, guys, if, if the church is going to continue, we just need a miracle. I don't know how God's going to do it, because clearly there isn't the money represented within this local congregation, but somehow we need a miracle. And so we were praying, and I said, I'm going to go back and pray. I'm going to call some churches. I'm going to see what God will do. And sure enough, I was able to raise a few thousand dollars, but, but it was still short. And so we were praying, and, and that next Sunday as they were praying, somebody came into their church and you have to understand where this church is it's off of the main road this is very remote very very remote area of northern Ontario so to put it in context for you it's about a 14 and a half hour drive north of here and it's about uh, two hours off of the main highway and and there's nothing there so if you wanted to go to the nearest like Tim Hortons it would be a three-hour drive to the nearest Tim Hortons, just to give you an idea. 
And so this little community in the middle of nowhere, they were praying on a Sunday morning, God, do a miracle. And this lady showed up who had never been to the church before, and she came and she said, Church, I, I was praying this morning. I was driving up the highway, and God told me that I needed to turn off the main highway and drive in. And so she drove in two hours in, two hours out, like four hours. I don't know how many of you would do a four-hour like little stop. And she said, the Holy Spirit put it on my heart, and she gave them a check for $15,000 that met all their needs for the year. Isn't that cool? And then she drove away, and we never saw her again. And, and, and I don't know if it was just a, an angel from the Lord or God just spoke to this lady, and she was obedient. But let me tell you, miracles happen when we begin to expect it. Amen? I, uh, one of the churches that I, I uh, get to serve and oversee, they have in their sanctuary just around like the room like this, and it has all these words all the way around. So there's like furnace, and there's like all these different words. They're just like words. And I, I came in, I was like, what is the deal with all these random words all the way around? And they said, Pastor, you got to see this. And so they took me to the back, and they have this book at the back of their church, and every one of those words, then there's a story of God's miracle-working power of provision over them in all of these. That they just say, we want to believe. Every time we worship, we want to remember that we serve a God of the impossible. Amen? Isn't that cool? Do you serve a God of the impossible? I believe you do. I believe God is ready to do miracles when you least expect or when you expect it, when you live with that expectation over your life. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, that my power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, when obstacles come, that is a great moment for God to show up in supernatural ways. You don't get a miracle till you need one. And so put yourselves to trust in God for those miracle power. We need to stick together in this deal. We need to have a fresh perspective and seek a fresh perspective, have a supernatural expectation, and then finally, this morning, show unusual grace. Verse 23, it says that, so from this moment on, after he fed them a great feast, they never had fights again. That God stopped that. You know what I believe in your life? The ticket to opening the door on a new season of opportunity in your life usually requires going through the door of intense grace over somebody. That you usually have to walk through a season of saying, okay, God, I'm going to show grace over them. He didn't just bless them a little bit. It said that he threw a great banquet, a huge banquet for these people who had just tried to kill him three hours earlier. Who are the people who are most difficult to love in your life? Who are the ones who who, who are, are, are the biggest challenge in your life, those are usually your greatest opportunity for ministry. Oh, yeah, go for it. No, no. <laughs> That's where we need to pray, amen? That's who we need to go after and say, okay, God, what could you do? I believe you as a church, as you begin to show unusual grace to those around, you begin to get known as that, and God will open up huge opportunity. Unfortunately, the church in too much of this world is, is known as a, as a place of anger and hate. In the U.S., it's characterized as, as this, the church is characterized as these people who are unloving, and it's the opposite of what God's called us to be. I'm not saying we don't have standards, we don't need to walk in that, but I am saying we need to be a people of grace. 
and just heap grace upon grace upon grace upon grace to those around us. I remember when I was planting a church, we, we planted a church in, in Burlington, Hamilton area, not far from here, about an hour and a half. And, and we were in this church plant, and God was doing incredible things. The church was growing. We were having a great time. And one day on my day off, I was, I was at a chapter's bookstore, and I was just reading the magazines in the little chapter's bookstore. And, and you can read them for free and don't even have to pay for them. So I was just sitting there reading them, you know. And as I was there, I was, I was, my wife comes over and she said, Jay, 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 listen. And on the other side of the magazine rack, there was somebody talking about me. And I didn't know who it was. I just heard my name, Jason Small, Jason Small, Jason Small. And I was like, what? And I was trying to peek over, but trying to listen to, just to hear what was going on. And it was this pastor who was planting a church and he was talking about our church in not nice ways. And he was talking about how he was going to start a church and steal all the people from our church. And I was like, what? And everything inside of me, I was just like, what's going on with this? And he's like, I'm going to take all those. We're going to do church better than them. And we're going to take all their people. And I was like, what is going on? And I'm eavesdropping, not so nice. And I'm like, and my wife is getting frustrated and angry and and we both left, and I didn't say anything to him. I didn't, he didn't even know I was there, and I, I was just so mad. And I went home, and I was all, like, stomping around. I'm like, who does he think he is? And, like, you know what? And just frustrated my wife, who is a little more spiritual than me. She's like, have you prayed about it yet? I'm like, no, I don't want to pray about it. I just want to be mad. And she's like, let's pray. And as we began to seek, the Lord said, hey, this isn't something you have to worry about. We're all in the kingdom together. And the Lord said to me, here's what you need to do. You need to bring him into your church and take up a huge offering for him. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Lord, I'll do anything with that. I don't want to do that. This guy was trashing me like to people. Are, I don't want to do that. And the Lord said, that's what you need to do. And I was like, uh, okay. You ever do that? Like, okay, Lord, fine. And so I remember bringing him in, and, and nobody else in the congregation knew what had gone on, but I just, I said, I felt the Holy Spirit say, we need to give this big offering. And, and so we raised, we raised, and it was, I was hoping that we'd, you know, give a little bit of an offering. You know when you say, well, a big offering, but then, and in my carnal side, I was like, yeah, well, let it be small. You know what I mean? <laughs> and our little church, it was a, oh, thanks, buddy. Can you just give this guy a hand? I just... So in my carnal side, I was like, Lord, and let me tell you, it was the biggest offering we'd had for missions. We were a small church plant at the time, and it was a little bit over $15,000. It was $16,400 or something dollars. And I was like, that's more than I thought, Lord. You know, we could do a lot with this offering. And so the Lord said, you need to give it. So we, we gave him all of it. And he was overwhelmed. And I didn't hear anything for a while. And then he started to call me, and he was going through some stuff, and he reached out, and he said, Jay, you're the only friend I have. And I was like, I don't even know, Lord, work on my heart. And long story short, they went through a journey, and their church ended up giving us back an offering a few years down the road of triple the amount of money. 
gave us, blessed us with sound gear, never took any people from our church, but instead then sewed people into our church. And, and, and this relationship has gone on for a number of years. Sometimes God says in the midst of opposition, I want you just to throw grace on this. Actually, not sometimes, all the time. And so what could you do to change the obstacle of 2020 into a, a moment of opportunity in your life? I believe as you begin to show incredible grace, God will do something through you. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this, let love be your highest goal. What have you lived with that as your highest goal of your life? Not to win as your highest goal, not to accumulate, not to get power or authority. No, let love be your highest goal. I ask the question over your life. Are you facing some obstacles this morning? I got a little eyeball here. My prayer is for you today that God would open your eyes this morning. That God would, uh, my prayer isn't to just take away the, the, the obstacles, no. My prayer is that God would open your eyes to see how he's working in the obstacle to actually set you up for an opportunity in your life. Folks that are members here this morning that took membership, I want to honor you today. You know what, as you walk in commitment, we live in a world that is shy on commitment. We're like, hey, I'll commit to something until something better comes along. But I want to tell you, God is a God. I love that this, this man came alongside Elisha and they committed to walk this journey and God opened up the opportunity. At the first sign of trouble, he didn't run, but they stuck together. And I believe as you, as, as people have chosen to say, we're going to stick together. We are going to commit to one another and live covenantially to serve the Lord in partnership here at, at Dominion. God's going to do incredible things. That God's going to use this moment for opportunity. That he's going to give you fresh perspective. Open your eyes to new ways. That he is going to, in your life, begin to do the supernatural like never before. And the challenge is going to be show grace through it all. Amen? Can we pray? Mighty God, I just say thank you for this church. I speak blessing over this house today. Lord, I say thank you, Lord, for these, these people, Lord, that have blessed me even this morning with the worship and, and just their hearts to serve the Lord. God, I speak blessing over these ones who have chosen uh, to live in commitment and partnership together with the church here today. I bless them today, Lord. I bless the leadership over this house, Lord, that have sacrificed and and, and, and work to serve. And Lord, I just speak blessing over them today. For Pastor Peace, we speak blessing over her, God. And we say thank you for her life. Lord, for Pastor Eddie and for his family, we speak blessing over them today. We, we pray a hedge of protection around them, Lord. Just like Elisha with the, with the warring uh, angels upon chariots, God. I speak that around the pastor here today. For my dear sister working with the youth, we speak blessing on her and we pray fruitful ministry. We speak, Lord Jesus, an anointing from you that, 
God, you would take her ministry beyond even what she thought possible or imaginable. God, we say thank you for what you're doing in this house. And Lord, I speak that 2020 wouldn't be a down year over this place, but God, that you would be setting them up, God, for amazing things, that you would be setting this church up to reach this community, God, beyond what they could ask, imagine, or dream. God, that you would be using them, Lord, to be influencers, God, within the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, God, that they would be ones who would, would lead the way, God, and, and, and speak life over other churches, God, as you've given them life, God. And so, God, I just speak your hand upon them, your anointing upon them. God, a season of fruitfulness ahead. So, God, open each eye today. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to take a moment, and if you're in the house and you'd say, Jay, I'm, I'm facing some obstacles this week. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's at your workplace, maybe it's in your family, but there's some obstacles. It feels like the enemy has surrounded you and you're going to be overtaken. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to center you out, but if you're in this house and you say, Jay, would you just be praying? I need these obstacles turned into opportunity. I don't know how I'm going to, I need God to open my eyes because I can't, I can't even see it today. But if that's you in the house, would you just kind of look up at me and say, yeah, Jay, would you just be praying? Yeah. Yeah, you can just put your hand or your head right back down. after. I, yeah, Lord, you see these ones. God, I just speak to these ones in the house. Lord, you see these needs. God, open their eyes, God, to what you are doing. God, do the supernatural, I pray, in these situations. God, work as only you can work in these situations. God, God do a miracle in the house, we pray. God, in these ones, Lord, opportunity, God, I speak opportunity, I speak opportunity in your name, oh God. Spirit of God, do a work right now, I pray. Oh Lord, mighty God. So God, we pray in your name. Amen. I want to tell you how, just in conclusion, we at the POC value you in your church. We love you. We're praying for you. We actually last week had our director's meeting. and We were praying over this place. We were praying that God would do incredible. And we actually believe that God wants to use you to lead the rest of us. That God's doing something in this place that's incredible. And we're believing for great days ahead. And so we just want to pray that over you. We want to speak life over you. We want to believe for opportunity ahead like you've never experienced. One of my things when I preach, I oftentimes just give you a little take-home thing. And so here's what I'm going to ask. Um, and I don't know if there's some ushers that can help me out. But it's a little eyeball, a little googly eyeball. And it's kind of cheesy, but here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask this week that you would take one of these little googly eyeballs and, yeah, can you just uh, pass some of those out? Thanks. Here's what I'm going to ask. This week, I want you to just put it in your change purse or in your pocket for just seven days. That's all I'm asking. Just seven days, and then you can be like, okay, that weird kind of pastor that was here, he's done now, and we're back to Pastor Eddie, and, and all is good. But for the next seven days, can you do this? The next seven days, every time you see it in your pocket and you pull it out, would you just pray, God, 
Open my eyes. God, help me to see things in the spiritual realm, God, like never before. God, at my workplace, at my school, on my street, in my apartment, God, open my eyes to see things your ways. God, help me to see the spiritual realities around me and what we're doing. We want to walk in fellowship with you folks. We want to, we're just here to serve you at the POC. And we just want to say thank you for your uh, church, for your faithfulness. Pastor Eddie, I'm just going to invite you to come. Thanks uh, for allowing me to be with you this morning.